This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Now, the High Court has been told Rebecca Vardy was left with no choice but to bring her libel case against Colleen Rooney. Today on the Indo Daily Star Wars. Why Wagatha Christie isn't the only celebrity feud in town. The court battle between the two footballers' wives stems from 2019. Mrs Rooney was named Wagatha Christie after she insisted fake stories she planted that were then leaked to the sun could only have been accessed by Mrs Vardy's Instagram account. What would Agatha make of Wagatha? We're all here passing the popcorn as Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy's three-year-old libel row is having a very public moment at London's High Court. But this isn't the only famous run-in to intrigue us over the years, with everyone from Taylor Swift and Kanye. Best, I feel like me and Taylor might still have some. Why I made that be famous. I made that be famous. To the musical frontmen of the 90s, Axel Rose and Kurt Cobain. I'm Denise Callanan, and today I'm joined by Serena Bellissimo, host of the Bellissimo Files on Spin 103.8, to bring us the backstory behind the backstabbing. And as the first woman to win Album of the Year at the Grammys twice, I want to say to all the young women out there, There are going to be people along the way who will try to undercut your success or take credit for your accomplishments or your fame. But if you just focus on the work and you don't let those people sidetrack you, someday when you get where you're going, you'll look around and you will know that it was you and the people who love you who put you there. And that will be the greatest feeling in the world. Serena, let's get straight into one of the most fascinating feuds of modern time, Taylor Swift and Kanye West. How did this all begin? Well, I can't believe we are talking about 2009 and it was at everyone, even if you don't know anything about Taylor Swift and Kanye West, everyone I could guarantee has seen the moment when at the MTV Video Music Awards, Taylor Swift won for Best Female Video. One of the best videos of all time. Kanye West was having none of it. He wasn't nominated in this category. But he decided he was going to go up there and defend Beyonce. And so as 
Taylor is starting to accept her award, he goes up there and is like, no, she's been robbed. This belongs to Beyonce. And then that start like 2009, the feud kicked off. And it really did take over the internet for years, didn't it, Serena? Because they did eventually come to a truce. But there was a song famous that Kanye West released and it really gave it all a new life again. Why? I made that boot famous. Goddamn. I made that boot famous. It did because it, it went on and went on for a while. You know, it was toing and froing and they both appeared on talk shows and they were giving their, their views on what happened. And then Kanye went quiet and then he went on a bit of a Twitter rant about a year later and he brought it all up again and he started to apologise. So just as everyone was forgetting, it was like Kanye was bringing it back to the fore. Back in 2015 even, like it, it, it had all died down. We never thought we would see the day where the two of them would share a stage again. But, you know, back um, at the MTV VMAs, Taylor actually presented Kanye with the Video Vanguard Award and during her speech, uh, yeah, during her speech about him, she just, <laughs> she made fun of the moment and went, I'm I'm really happy for you and I'm going to let you finish, right, because <laughs> that's a reference that, that Kanye had made when he was protesting Beyonce's win. So we thought everything was okay. And then fast forward to 2016 and Kanye was releasing Life of Pablo and then he puts in a line that says, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. I made that bitch famous. And that set off the the feud all over again. I mean, I could say why though, can't you, Denise? That's not a really nice line. No, it's not. But then Kim Kardashian, who we, I mean, we all know at this stage, Kanye West's wife at the time, she waded in and she mentioned that actually Taylor had been aware of the line before it went in the song. I wonder, Serena, is there an element of both parties being happy to be part of the feud because it did keep them in the headlines? <sighs> I, I think a bit of a yes and a no. I think for Taylor, though, like, she <laughs> it sounds like I'm a Taylor stan here, right? I'm not. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just trying to show her point of view. So what happened was she did. Like, Kanye was talking to her about this song, Famous, and, you know, was telling her about some of the lyrics that he, um, he was going to include. And he was hoping that she'd tweet about his, because remember, this is, you know, 2015. Twitter was still huge here, 2016. Yeah. So he was hoping that. He was hoping she'd tweet his support for the song and for the life of Pablo. But it, it all came down to the fact that, you know, Kim kept acc accidentally talking about it on Keeping Up With The Kardashians. I just felt like I wanted to, like, defend him in it. Mm -hmm. She legitimately, quote, says, as soon as I get on that Grammy red carpet, I'm going to tell all the press. Like, I was in on it. That was great for their TV show as well. And... There was a recording that ended up leaking of Taylor and Kanye talking about it and her apparently they thought this was her showing approval for the lyrics but not once did she agree to those misogynistic lyrics and that's what it all came down to. There's nothing that beats a good feud in the music world. There's another one that I'd love to know a bit more about. Noel Gallagher and Lewis Capaldi. <laughs> now, Noel isn't a stranger to a good feud, but this one was with that Scottish singer, Lewis Capaldi. It was all a bit bonkers. You and Noel Gallagher. Yeah. It was basically the biggest beef of the 20th century after Kanye West and Taylor Swift. Well, there you go. I mean, I don't know who wants to see a beef between me and Noel Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it was, he said some unfavourable things, mm. did Noel. Uh, and I responded by getting my hair cut like his brother and <laughs> uh, dressing up like his brother and wearing a shirt with his face on it 
Like, uh, well, love heart on. It was a whole thing. Oh, I'll tell you something. The the beef was raw. The beef yeah. was a raw beef. <laughs> this was really, really strange. I mean, we all know, I think when we talk feuds, we, we know that one of the biggest ones out there is between family, the Gallagher brothers, yeah. Noel and Liam, right? So we're not surprised about that one. But when he was um, in 2019, he was giving a, an interview and during an interview he was talking about how he's unenthusiastic about modern music and then out of nowhere he's just like, and who's this Capaldi fella? And he said he was an idiot. And then Lewis Capaldi is famously known for taking the mickey out of himself, for, for liking a good joke. And so he, he actually tweeted back and went, oh, my gosh, that's me. I've peaked. I've been slagged off by Noel Gallagher. It's me. What a day. And then on um, a Father's Day video he shared on Snapchat, he said, it's Father's Day and I'm being slagged off by a man who's old enough to be my dad and I've never been more happier. Happy Father's Day, Noel. And that's what set Noel off. He was just, he, he went to another stratosphere. He really couldn't cope with it. And I think what made that one a little bit different as well was actually it was kind of Lewis Capaldi that kept that one rolling with his just, his humour and his witty remarks on social media. He was really, really poking the bear, wasn't he? Oh, he really was. And like Noel, Noel tried to keep going at it, but like Lewis would keep one upping, one upping him. Like there was a video that he put out of his son singing to Lewis Capaldi and the son was crying. And it's just like, you might want to try and find some joy in your tunes. You're destroying the, the youth. My 11 year old is in bits. But then his, his daughter she put out a tweet that says, I want to be Lewis Capaldi when I grow up. That was liked more than 28,000 times. But then, this is my favourite, favourite moment, Denise. Glastonbury, 2019. <laughs> Lewis Capaldi takes to the stage and he has a T-shirt, but it's not just any T-shirt. It's a T-shirt with Noel's face framed in a red love heart. We're going to do an absolute throwback to the 90s. In a time before Twitter and social media, this next celebrity quarrel is a lot more nasty it was the feud between two frontmen, Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses and the very, very famous Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Can you give us a little bit of information about this one? Yeah, so basically in the 90s, the two of them, Guns N' Roses and Nirvana, were the bands of the, I suppose, um, Guns N' Roses were coming out of a high from the 80s and then Nirvana were the new kids on the block. But then it was the way that Kurt was referring to Guns N' Roses that really got um, to Axel. There was a line he put out there and said, we're not your typical Guns N' Roses type of band that has absolutely nothing to say. Mm. And there, and the feeling wasn't mutual either because Axel Rose was actually a fan of Nirvana, wasn't he? He was. I mean, he was trying to give Nirvana, not that they needed a break, they were so popular anyway, but he wanted to take uh, Nirvana on tour with them. Like they were doing a massive studio, uh, stadium tour with Metallica. And they wanted Nirvana to open for them. But Kurt was just having nothing, nothing of it. And then it just, it, it then started turning nasty when Axel started bringing um, Courtney Love into it. She was uh, going out with um, Kurt at the time and they were pregnant. So then he insulted, I'm not going to go into the remarks he made, but really insulting remarks about Courtney and 
Axel got involved and it was just, it was going from bad to worse. Like they were never going to be the best of friends. Axel walked by and, and Courtney and I just jokingly said, Axel, will you be the, the godfather of our child? He turned around and started pointing his finger and was really aggressive and mean, like threatening to beat me up and stuff. And I couldn't help but laugh because I haven't been in that kind of a situation since I was in sixth grade. Is someone like Kurt Cobain in Nirvana, who basically is a fucking junkie with a junkie life. And if the baby's born deformed, I think they both ought to go to prison. That's my feeling. Sadly, when he died, um, Axel didn't reach out to the band, but Dave Grohl said that he did get a phone call from one of the Guns N' Roses um, members just to pass on their condolences. The world of movies, Serena, this feud is, I mean, it's almost 100 years ago now and it's been the topic of so many books and documentaries and movies and it's one that keeps fascinating people because they were just two very special women of a certain era, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. She was on time. She knew her lines. She basically was a pro. But we're very different kind of women, very different kind of actresses. She went to all the New York nominees and said, if you can't get out there, I'll accept your award. And uh, please do not vote for her. She was so jealous. She was a fool, my dear. We had great percentage. If I had won that Oscar, we'd have made a million more dollars on the film, as it always happens. So she didn't, wasn't very smart about what she did. Can you give us a little bit of background on this one? Back in the 30s, these two women were huge in Hollywood. And... I can't, like, again, this is one of those types of things that even if you don't know anything about Joan Joan Crawford or Betty Davis, you know that they feature in Madonna's Vogue and you know that there was this massive uh, feud between them, but you may not know why. Um, Basically, and I didn't know what it all stemmed from either, Denise, until I did more research, this feud all stemmed from a man. Oh, the drama. Yeah, so basically... Joan Crawford married a man that Betty Davis actually loved. She fell in love with her um, dangerous co-star, now I hope I'm getting the name right, Franchot Tone, and she said that Crawford got to Tone first, stole him from her, and then that's where the feud just went off. I guess as well, Serena, a lot of people might have thought that this feud came from the fact that they were, you know, two women competing for similar roles at the time. I don't think many people realised it was actually all about a man. Yeah, and that's what I thought it was as well, because, you know, they were, um, because they were from the same era, they were generally up for the same roles. And I mean, there was one role that Joan Crawford actually ended up getting because Betty Davis dropped out of it. It was called Mildred Pierce. And this is the role that she actually won an Oscar for. So I'm sure that even though she didn't mean it, that was probably infuriating Betty Davis even more. She was like, I give her my leftovers and she still manages to walk away with gold. Yeah. And then on the flip side, didn't Betty Davis go on to play Crawford in another film, The Star? And it wasn't a very flattering depiction. So, yeah, it was probably a role that she relished almost, I would say. Of course she did. And now this wasn't based like this wasn't a a biopic. But in The Star, Davis was playing the lead role of a washed up actress who was desperately trying to cling on to her fading star power. 
and she basically ba- um, based her on Crawford. But then, are you ready? <laughs> this is when, <laughs> when you think that it cannot go on any further. They end up being in their first and only film together. Um, it was whatever, whatever happened to Baby Jane. And under no circumstances tell my sister the contents of this note. And it just went from bad to worse. Like on set, the feud was getting bigger and bigger. I mean, it started off with really tiny things like Joan Crawford. She was on Pepsi's board of directors at the time. So Betty Davis thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a Coke vending machine installed in my dressing room just to spray it. (laughs) And like there were the, this film, the, the actresses had to get quite physical. Joan Crawford actually asked, look, can, in one of the fights, can I please have a body double? Because I don't trust that Betty Davis isn't going to actually hurt me for real. <laughs> she, she didn't trust that Betty Davis would play it safe. No, no. And then, like, there was one set, like, there was talk as well of Joan Crawford when Betty Davis had to carry her uh, Joan's character across the room. She knew that um, Davis had uh, had back problems. So she thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make myself as heavy as possible. She she was putting weight to onto herself, and and she ruined a lot of the takes just so uh, Davis would have to do it time and time again and hurt herself. Like it was crazy. I would think it was the most uh, rewarding experience in the world. As a matter of fact, I put the deal together. Did you really? Oh. I'd wanted to work with her since uh, we were at Warner Brothers together. I wanted to do Ethan Frome with her. I thought we would be great in it with uh, Raymond Massey. Joan Crawford died in 1977. There's rumours that Davis has said, you should never say bad things about the dead. You should only say good. Joan Crawford is dead. Good. I've written a letter to Daddy saying I love you. Back to the silver screen, Serena. Sex and the City, it's the four girls. They're walking along the street. They're best friends. We all just strived to live their life when we were watching the series. But actually, it ended quite nasty. And they weren't, the friendships weren't really as genuine as they were on screen. There's been a feud really ongoing between Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker. And it really came into public consciousness last year when And Just Like That was released. Can you tell us a little bit about that? This goes all the way back to the 90s when Sex and the City, the TV series, first came out. Um, Now, all of this is hearsay and allegedly we need to preface it with that because this hasn't come straight from their mouths. But when a book was being shopped around about um, Sex and the City, people, uh, people were saying that Kim Cattrall was, you know, it was always supposed to be about Sarah Jessica Parker. But Kim Cattrall started stealing the scenes, not on purpose. It just, her character of Samantha was amazing. And apparently that was the first thing that where the freezing out started to happen. Um, All of this is alleged, but there have been some cases as well where, you know, when they came onto the set, 
Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon had known each other since they were teenagers because they were both Broadway actresses. So they became really friendly. And then Kristen uh, Davis joined, joined that clique as well. So there was a, a small clique had had formed. I mean, uh, Cottrell was that little bit older than them as well. There was a time when they went to um, Atlantic City to shoot for Sex and the City and apparently Sarah Jessica rented a house for herself, Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon, and Kim was left out on her own. But the story is Ouch. that well, what but but see there's always a story behind the story, right? So yeah, there, the there story, really is. The story is that at the time Kim was married and she was going to go away with her husband. But look, I'm sure those things didn't help. But yeah, things got worse. Like she came back for two movies and then things got worse and worse. And when she said she wasn't coming back from And Just Like That, Sarah Jessica Parker was trying to smooth the tension out. And so when Kim Cattrall's um, 55-year-old brother was found dead in Canada, Sarah Jessica Parker wrote condolences on Cottrell's Instagram. She said, Dearest Kim, my love and condolences to you and yours and Godspeed to your beloved brother. Well, Kim Cottrell didn't take to that. She thought that Sarah Jessica Parker was exploiting her brother's death. I can't believe in her caption she wrote, My mum asked me today, when will that at Sarah Jessica Parker, so she even added her on Instagram, that hypocrite, leave you alone. Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last, last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. And that was the end of that. Ouch. Oh, yeah. Serena. And so many of these feuds have been based around social media. Do you think social media has allowed celebrity feuds to reach new levels that they wouldn't have years gone by? Um, see, I'd say yes, but I'd also say no. Yes, because it is more instantaneous, right? But you can't get anything bigger than what we were saying about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. So like where the only difference was they were using the newspapers to head out at each other. So that's, that has always happened. People have hit out at each other. What um, social media has done is that it has allowed people to gain control and, uh, and also work out when they want to put stuff out and not have to work through a third party. When it comes to actors, I think of something that Meryl Streep said. You don't see a lot of Meryl Streep anywhere. She doesn't have social media. She's rare to give interviews. And when she does, it's not come and have a look at my house, come and, you know, let me talk about my personal life. It's got to do with the movie. And she said, because as an actress, I want you to believe that I can be a nun, that I can be a mamma mia, that I can be a mother, that I can be a writer, that I can be a chef. But I can't do that if you see a lot of me in my personal life. So I think that's when they can be affected. Well, is there a better way to end than with a moment for the legend that is Meryl Streep? <laughs> My thanks to you, Serena Bellissimo, for joining me today and not a nasty word said between us. Today's Indo Daily was produced by Siobhan Maguire, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy and sound designed by Dara Kelly. Archive clips from independent.ie, Sky News, Rolling Stone, E! News Network, MTV, Sex and the City on HBO, Paradise City performed by Guns N' Roses and Famous by Kanye West featuring Rihanna. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.